0: Was in the shower and I was like, whoo careful, Winnie, careful!" You know, just like almost died. <laughs> so this week I actually tried to watch something new. I watched *Crimson Peak* for the first time because why not? Benicio del Toro. Wait, what am I saying? Guillermo del Toro. Man, (laughs) I tried it. Yeah, yeah, Guillermo del Toro. He's great. Um, movie was you know more of like a romantic long thing, not my cup of tea, but totally worth it because about halfway through, kids, Mm -hmm. you get a shot of Loki's cheeks and they're not
1: bad. They are not bad. Oh, yes, (laughs) I totally agree. No, that was a very nice scene and honestly that's pretty much the only thing that I remember from that movie sadly I only saw it the one time in theaters remind me though what drew your attention to this I mean I know you mentioned like Guillermo del Toro and all that but like do you have like an interest in those type of movies what because it seemed very period piece and that for me is a little bit of a deterrent like I may not be so inclined to just like yeah let's just watch this but
0: Nah, I like period pieces. I appreciate all the effort that goes into it because, you know, it if you do something contemporary, whenever I see something like Costume Designer is and it's like Alright, well no discredit to the costume designer, but they went to, you know, Ross and got the best deal on some jeans and t shirts for these characters <laughs> versus in a period piece, it's like you got to do your homework, you got to design most of this shit. Um, so it, it's a lot of you know, like finding the right set and all of that. So, you know, I, I it was something I'd never seen, I was curious about it. And when I was like, oh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston's in it, huh? Why not? Oh, look, uh, what's her face? Uh, crazy ass, I think it's me, right? Tastain yeah Mia yeah um, I'm not like a big Alice in Wonderland person, and she was she was good, she was good, but you know, she wasn't the draw for me, yeah, but I just thought it would be like scary and sure it was creepy in certain moments, but it really was more of a like strange
1: Gyo, romance thing, Gyo but Gyo I was sort of in the middle, you know, like sometimes when you hear his name and you're like, oh, maybe I'll get a real creepy heavy go, you know but then at the end of the day he he really is big on the stories and the special effects rather than trying to like jump scare you a lot you know
0: right and i appreciate that and it and all of his other stuff it's like oh it's it's very ominous and strange the orphanage pan's labyrinth these are all like very heavy setting you know the where we are and and the the house the orphanage they, they all have this personality and this house it definitely had personality and it was a very strange house but I, I think it was it wasn't very surprising most of the story the whole spoiler alert people if you're really trying to like watch this Crimson Peak it's on Netflix right now but uh, the uh, incest storyline <laughs> wasn't a surprise uh, so you know now, that's remind me,
1: was Chestane a witch in that movie? Or was she just somebody no. who was just evil?
0: <laughs> she she was just... I think they were alluding to her being sort of mentally disturbed. But also their mother was a terrible mother. So they hated her. Didn't have a great relationship with her.
1: Well, that's awesome. You you saw a different one. Do you think you'd recommend it to people? Or do you think like others would like stuff like this? Or... Oh,
0: I already made a recommendation. Um, I have a little uh, like, gay boy chat, and I was like, "Hey, everybody, if you want to see Loki's behind, fast forward to a minute and eleven, or an hour and eleven minutes, and you're welcome." <laughs> and that was it. I was like, "Don't watch the whole movie. You just, if you want to see Tom Hiddleston's ass, that's all you need."
1: No, that's fair. <laughs> all right, so. I wanted to give you sort of the lowdown of what I thought about Spiral, Book of Saw. I managed to see this right before publishing this episode, so I thought I'd give you the skinny. First of all, I can't remember, if you had access to it right now, would you watch it?
0: Yeah, I'd watch it, probably. I think it sounds interesting.
1: Okay okay cool so again this will have no spoilers of course because it just came out but the trailer didn't really give a lot away as far as the plot Chris Rock's involvement in it and what's going on what I will say is is that it definitely revolves around a specific to police police department and that a killer or you know because you know these people always claim they don't kill anyone right uh the victims are being that are being targeted are cops and so it has something to do with that specific police department chris rock plays a detective who a while back reported a dirty cop and while Mm -hmm. he was renowned as a hero his police department has looked at him as a rat a snitch what have you because you know cops stick together blah 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 and then he takes lead on this new case which showcases uh later down the line that this person is after cops specifically in his division and then again the traps and everything come into play so this movie actually was better than i thought it was going to be because you've got a few different people sort of dipping their toes into this franchise now it was Directed by the same person who did Saw 3 and 4. So there's oh, okay. some familiar rarity there. But this was produced and sort of the story was given to us by Chris Rock. So a lot of people questioned his leading ability in a horror film, especially suspense. I Weird. think that uh, he did a justice. I would not have picked him for the lead as far as being believable in a sense that somebody else probably could have taken this and and really given us the drama. But this movie had a bit of comedy in it. There were times where you were laughing out loud and it's just based on the line. You know how Chris Rock is. Chris Rock just always has something to say. And so that's where some of the comedy comes in. But watching him play a serious cop trying to, you know, like solve a crime and whatnot, I thought it was very believable. The traps were disgusting they were gross oh Oh, man this first trap out the gate I like it they're more painful this time like it's one thing to visually see gore but you are going to feel the pain that these people are being ha- that have to do to save their own lives—it's disgusting. I don't want to feel pain. It, it just, it just, <laughs> it just hurts thinking about it. Um, you know
0: that's funny because the trailer really does not show anything. I almost doesn't. felt like, oh, is this going to be a saw that doesn't really showcase traps? But okay, got it.
1: Yeah. Oh, Oh, man. I I, I was very impressed with the gore. I didn't really notice any like fake blood or whatever. So take that as you will. Uh, The twist I was able to solve midway through. Um, Does that bother you? No, no, no. So that's the thing. I thought it would. And I really did want to be shocked because, man, if I could just relive that first original twist, man. Oh, my that was some amazing i never saw it coming this one i did yeah. unfortunately and i'm not saying it has to live up to anything but it would have been great to come into this and walk out with damn they got me but here's the thing if you notice in most of the latest films in the saw franchise regardless if you know the twist or not the lead character or the one last standing is always given some kind of moral question or test. Like, this is it. This is the final thing. Can you come through with everything that you've learned? Can you still come through and change? And I think that moral question that was positioned in this at the end was great. So the Mm -hmm. ending still had something really fun to look forward to. I will say that this is not a guaranteed hit, though. I think a lot of people are going to compare this to the rest of the franchise, and uh, they may not like what they see. I think that there is definitely room for improvement. I think there were a lot of things that weren't explored more. I think they could have took it a little bit further as far as the story and the characters. But for a film that comes back, and and wants to attach itself into a franchise, which is almost later down the line going to be a legacy, like, I think they did a justice on creating a Saw movie. If they came out with another one, I would go. And if it was okay. done by the same people, I would also see it too.
0: Okay, so
1: four out of five? I'm giving it 3.5. And here... Are. Yes, 3.5. So the only thing that I docked it for is a little bit of the writing and a little bit of the recommendation. Half a point on rewatchability. As a standalone film, I don't see myself returning to this, but as a collective, I wanted want a part of it in my collection. Like, I would totally buy this because I have the rest. I so, see. And it's not even a bad thing to even rewatch it again. It's just... I'm going to probably want to watch this movie along with the rest of them. I don't think I'll be like, let me watch spiral over saw seven or saw two. Like I want to watch it as a whole, but certainly not saw seven. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I found it still enjoyable. I was into it. I, I didn't feel like it was fake or anything like that. So I would say that if you like saw movies, that this is worth the watch. And and you'll come to your own conclusions on what do you think it is. But as a skip, if you've seen the rest of them, don't skip this. Just watch it. Just watch it for yourself. Now, if you're not into the Saw series and you think, oh, well, maybe this one being different will get you into it. Nope, 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 nope. It is a Saw film through and through. If you don't like the other ones, you're not going to like this one.
0: Okay. hear that, kids? 3.5. Don't forget Robbie likes a little salt in his chocolate. <laughs> That's all I need from you, I guess. Uh, the trailer gave me absolutely nothing. You've given me a touch more. And if I don't want any more spoilers, I just have to go full steam ahead. But
1: thank you. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Anything that I said, does that t- like, tear you away from watching it? Or actually does no. it make you more interested? Or
0: I think it makes me more interested, especially because I forgot sort of everything that was supposed to come out last year, I forgot. (laughs) And now they're trying to sort of rearrange and and put things back on the schedule or just, you know, they're streaming now. Uh, So I did forget about it a little bit until it was like, oh, it's coming out. And no, I, I am interested in seeing it. And I don't think you gave anything away, really. But you definitely gave more than what the trailer gives, which is not a bad thing. You you've just laid out the foundation know, the groundwork. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: OK, cool. So, Nate, a friend of mine recently moved to a new house with his family. And I don't know Mm -hmm. why I did this, but I immediately just started texting him so many things related to horror movies because he's into horror too. So I knew he'd get the joke. And I was basically telling him, I just went down this list. I was like, okay, you moved into a new house. Make sure this place isn't haunted or owned by Dennis Quaid. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I said Dennis Quaid. It It was very specific. So Dennis Quaid just came out with a movie remember when Mikey Michael Ely and um, Megan good moved into that new house and he was like, I ain't trying to leave. So I said, yeah, make sure he don't own it. Yeah. So he texts me later and was like, okay, he doesn't own it. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, he (laughs) didn't, (laughs) he didn't get it at first, but I sent him, you know, the poster or whatever. And then he said, the people who lived there before him, lived there for about 23 years. So I was like, damn, okay, well, watch out for them. Then I just kept going. I don't know why I just, just stuff just started popping in my head. I was like, horror movies are serious guidebooks. I was like, watch your back. I said, hope you don't get a, He's no, he responded. He was like, I hope you don't, he hopes he doesn't get a stalker right at his house. And I was like, okay, look, you also got to check the attic for folks living in there. And up in the walls.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I was oh like, my God. the
1: boys put people on the stairs. Don't fuck. Don't fuck with it. Then I was like, make sure your neighbors are not holding secrets in that town and also cult like behavior. You don't want to get mixed up with that. Then I was like, did he
0: move to a small town?
1: Uh, well, see, I wonder if that usually happens only in small towns, but even like cul-de-sacs or just like the burbs, sometimes them fools be tripping in their mm-hmm. little area. Like a neighborhood. Gated yeah. community, Gated communities. Exactly, exactly. Then I was like, if you find anything left over in that house, burn it. Burn the fuck out of it.
0: <laughs> no. No, you don't burn it. What
1: do you mean you don't burn it? You have to get rid of it. Is that bad? Um, Does that
0: unleash it or something? Yes, it's, it's bad. Yes, sometimes. I mean, okay, you watched enough Supernatural episodes, you at least have to salt it before you burn it.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> salt it before burning. Good call on that. And then I yeah, said- Yeah, no,
0: you should, you should turn it over to the church. That's probably the safest <laughs> bit.
1: He was like, oh, yeah, there was only a dozen eggs left in the refrigerator. That was basically it. <laughs> I was like, okay. But I was like, confirm there are no haunts. Uh, that you know the place isn't haunted. Nobody's living in the walls. You're good, um. He said there were no dolls left behind. Uh, <laughs> I always like make sure the history of the house has nothing to do with like being on consecrated, you know, like land. Like look up the history, right? <laughs> and then I was like, you are on a three month period. If your kids say. Anything is in their room. Believe them. They are telling the truth. (laughs) The first listen (sighs) to them. Seriously.
0: I'm having a tea party with Shelly. She doesn't like your hat.
1: (laughs) The first three months. I'm telling you, believe every word they say. I'm not playing. I've watched too much shit. Don't. So I haven't heard anything yet, but hopefully his move goes smoothly. (laughs)
0: Uh, He might have to, like, leave the kids there if they start talking crazy. Right. Oh, They belong to the house now.
1: Right. Right. But it also got me thinking of just there are so many moments, just very random, where I'm just, like, walking down the street or on a drive somewhere, wherever, and it just reminds me of some, like, horror movie. I wanted to talk to you to see if you have any of those, like, situations, any objects or things that you see bam, reminds you of something like horror.
0: Yeah. Um, Even like right off the top of my head, I thought of something different. But And this this only kind of applies to people in Southern California and maybe Florida. But we have a lot of strong winds throughout the year and they knock the palm leaves, the dead palm leaves out of the trees. These things are big. And the tree, they don't look like much, but when they are on the ground, these things are big and they are hard. They're dead, but they are hard, and they have, like, really sharp ridges. So whenever I see them, I think about them falling out of the trees. And one time, I almost got hit. Like, I was jogging down the street. It was really windy. You could see the trees swaying. And then, like, five of these bitches all just fell, doom, right in front of me. Oh, I'm not kidding. Oh, wow. It was like just, if I had ran a little faster... I would have gotten hit and I like ran the other way. Yeah.
1: Damn. Almost died.
0: <laughs> Almost died.
1: Crazy. You what know, about you? I thought about uh, the craft when you said that, <laughs> how that branch fell
0: right in front. Of- <laughs> that was funny. You guys should be careful. You don't want to end up like Nancy.
1: Right. Right. No. So I live in an apartment building, so fire escape ladders are just normal <laughs> in this neighborhood. And immediately I still won't walk under them. Still won't do it because FD two. I just yeah. won't do it.
0: Like I always think of FD two with that the ladder, and I, I think I'm pretty sure I go like just a little, a few feet over. <laughs> yeah, <You know, laughs> exactly. It's not even like I'm really afraid of it, but I just I'm like, eh, just just go around it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So I don't even know what movie this is from. It's it's something from probably late '80s, early '90s. Skinamax, but there's some sort of telepathic or telekinetic teenager who's evil or just hormonal, I guess. And another boy comes over and he's flirting with the girl and something goes down the drain and he reaches in to get it. And the evil teenager psychically turns on the garbage disposal. So anytime something falls down the drain now, it's like, It's I always like look at where the switch is and I'm like, nobody's around. Just try to get in and get out as quickly as you can. I hate putting my hand down the drain. Um, And I haven't done it in years. But now that we're in this new apartment, sometimes things fall down and I I hate it. I hate having to put my hand in there.
1: Mm, No, I'm the movie you're describing sounds so familiar, but I can't think of it. I'll have to think about it. But yeah, I I totally agree. I don't do the garbage disposal as as well. And there's been plenty of like suspense and thrillers out there that deals with that kind of crap. Uh even yeah, just like driving down the road like I'll be in a car with someone and you know, we'll be going down rural roads where it's just like by the pier or, you know, just, just, you know, especially in Washington Pacific Northwest, you know, you just be going down highways with like trees and shit. I'm like, Oh, you in wrong turn territory. I ain't fucking around with this. We got to turn back. I'm not, I'm not messing around, but I always just think like, man, what if we have car trouble? Some like, like it just clicks in my head and it just bugs me. But then there's also like, Oh, go ahead.
0: You just made me think of like in Indiana, it's the opposite where I grew up, but it's like you drive outside the city limits, cornfields, cornfields, mm. flat. Everything is the same. So it's like everything is the same in every direction. And it's like I hated leaving the city because I'm like, what if, I don't know, Billy Bob comes out and wants to eat us? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. But even like, In the city, when we've got these big, like, sewer grates, you know, the ones that pop out of the corner of the sidewalk and shit? Like, it ruined that for me. I can't even mess with that anymore. You know, like, even Chud with the, you know, for a while it was, oh, Ninja Turtles, they live in the sewer. Look, it's the sewer. Nope, now it's Chud. And that just fucked it all up for me, too. I can't even be, you know, kicking Uh, it in the sewers anymore. (laughs) I
0: thought you were going to say, like, Just the manhole being open. Because, you know, sometimes those are open. Usually there's signs around them, but it's like people will just be walking and then whoop, they're gone. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hopefully Soul gives me more of a, oh, well, maybe I'll, you know, get a second chance falling down a grate. (laughs) (laughs) But like, even the flicker of a light switch. You know how, not a light switch, but like a light bulb, you know how it flickers? Sometimes that's like indication that Mm -hmm. some ghost is like kicking it and stuff. Like little stuff like that. You just immediately turn to this. That's when you know you a fan, right?
0: Yeah. Do you ever think just like, what if I trip and I fall and crack my head on the corner of this coffee table?
1: Man, do you know? How, so here's the thing with that: it can go one or two to, two ways. Coffee tables will either be your demise or your savior because they are usually the ones that kills your assailant. Anytime you fight with somebody, that table will have your back because every time they slip, they want to slip on the corner of a table. But then you on the run because you didn't kill the mob boss or or it's some person that's gonna come I after don't know. you.
0: I just I always see like yeah that makes sharp corners yeah. so like a desk of uh, anything and it's like what if you yeah, know you just hit your I used to hit my head on the corner of a cabinet growing up all the time it's probably why I'm such a terrible person now <laughs> but just like right here like the same spot and I'm like man one of these days I'm going to hit my head just right and I'm not going to get back up <laughs>
1: You got to be careful. Um, Yeah. That happened to me at the movies. I I was bending over to get something from a bottom cabinet and then I lifted my head up and there was another drawer that was open and it was just, it was so loud. My boss heard it in his office and he just came rolling out. Yes.
0: Yes. That happened. Somebody left the cabinet open and I I knew it was open, so I mean, it was also my fault. But I like bent down to get something, and then as I was getting back up, I got up pretty fast and I hit that cabinet open like that, and I hit it so hard I almost like threw up. My body was like, "I'm I'm gonna die. I'm having a seizure right now." <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. I'm. Uh, do you think? do Do you like,
1: think that um, like basements, attics, things like that? Do you? Th- do you have like? Do you ever have like a thought like some horror movie that pops up, or just a situation because you've watched so many? Or is a basement a basement to you now? Because I am still kind of like thinking about certain basement stuff, especially stairs with like splits in between them. I don't fuck with them either. I've seen too many.
0: It's definitely those stairs, those basement stairs. The imagery, and it's like, but also I think just looking down the stairs and you see the bottom it's dark um i grew up in a house where we, it was like a a walk in basement but it was like carpeted and fully furnished and you didn't have the slats stairs but still i would spend a lot of time in that basement and have a great time i would look down those stairs once in a while and just seeing the other sides like the end of the stairs like what's down there <laughs> yeah, nothing's down there i know nothing's down there <laughs> but it just, it made me second guess sometimes. Like, do I really want to go down there by myself? No. Right.
1: But did you get that sort yeah. of idea process through just general fear or did these movies influence that type of, you know, thought process? <sighs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, would, I would say it's probably movies, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't... which is
1: not a bad thing or anything, but it's just funny how we get influenced that way with, with certain things, you know?
0: Yeah. Now, I can kind of remember being like three or four and sort of fearless um, and not having that, that healthy fear yet where it's like, oh, I'm just doing my thing. I'm a toddler. But after that, Things changed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The only other thing I can think of, um, and this has actually happened to me twice, I have slipped and fallen out of the shower. Oh. And that's something that scares me. Uh, I hit, like I fell out and I like hit my back once, like I was in a hotel and nobody heard me. I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't hit my head. I would just be laying here like dying. But. Yeah, I slipped and fell out of the tub. Um, So even now, we inserted or we installed those little like strips to make it more of a grip. Mm -hmm. But even then, I don't know. I was uh, a few weeks ago. I was in the shower and I was like, "Whoop! whoop, Careful, Winnie, careful!" You know, just like almost (laughs) died. So. I don't know. I, I do think about slipping and falling. Not like Final Destination where I'm like going to get like something wrapped of around course. my neck. But I just think I'm going to fall and hit my head on the toilet, which is you know, a piece of porcelain. Or <gasps> the corner of the counter mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Yeah. Double whammy.
1: Man. I'm just waiting for I'm myself wearing special shoes. I'm going to be so dramatic when I fall in the shower. I'm going to grab the shower curtain and the rings are going to come off one by one. And then I'm going to slip and just be wrapped in it and just be so dramatic. And I'll be like, I'm not even going to move because this will be a good story for somebody when they find me. But man, yeah. Just living your best Marion Crane life. <laughs> right? <I guess. laughs>
0: God. I'm excited for the summer, um, not for summer itself, I hate summer, I hate the sun, I hate the heat, it's not my jam, but in June, we're going to get our first installment of the Fear Street movie trilogy, and I'm so excited, <laughs> I cannot wait for this, I loved these books, um, maybe even a little more than Goosebumps, maybe even, I mean it's still R.L. Stein. yeah, still, but yeah, I loved these books, and I'm so I'm looking forward to these. Do you know much about it? I know a little bit, but do you know? Much? I don't
1: know anything. I have yet to see a trailer, a post production photo. I haven't seen nothing. And you know oh. me, I'm not well, the reader, so I I don't know too much yeah. about these books. But I, I'm definitely hmm. down for it.
0: It's from what I can tell. It's sort of loosely based on some books, maybe. At least it's going to be set in different time periods. So the first movie, most likely coming in June, which they haven't even put out release dates. They put out nothing. They've they've talked about a little bit of stuff, but they put out nothing except during, and this is going to be on Netflix, by the way. And also, we don't work for Netflix. We don't rep Netflix or anything. I know we talk about it a lot, (laughs) but Netflix just has a lot of horror selections. So here we are. The first one is going to be set in 1994. Oh,
1: yes, a good 90s story. I love it.
0: Exactly. Um, the only thing they have released is like this quick shot of Sadie Sink. You might know her from Stranger Things, the redhead. Oh, okay. Um, and she's looking like a little scared and bloody. And then there's this person in a strange skeleton mask. That's it. That is it. We have no idea. There's no context at all. So we don't know if this is sort of a slasher situation. But all they say is like, "Oh, the teens in Shady Side. That's where the." that's where it's the stories are set in all the books. You know, they find out some dark secrets about their town. And, uh, of course the street fear street. Um, and then the second one goes back to the seventies and it takes place at a camp and there's a horrible, uh, event that happens. And then, uh, the next one takes place in 1666. You see what they did there? <laughs> uh, And that's where they kind of show you how it all began, why the town is cursed and why all these terrible things keep happening in the town because of the events that took place in 1666. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, There's not like a lot of, there's a lot of up and comers. The only really well-known person is probably Jillian Jacobs, who is from a community. It's probably her biggest thing.
1: Yeah, it it sounds really cool, and you know me, like I'm totally down for any type of like horrific story when it comes to like the '90s or you know just pulling back from the vault, right? Mm-hmm. And it's nice yeah. to also see that. So, because when you said trilogy, I thought it was going to be one continuous story, and and just involve the same characters. But it sounds like you we're just getting a trilogy of books turned into movies.
0: Well. And I think it's it's sort of, and it's, it's kind of like it's working its way backwards. You would think, oh, they're going to start with 1666, but they're working their way backwards. So it's connected as in, I think whatever's happening in 1994 is sort of a result of what happened in 1978, maybe. And then, of course, the very beginning when they are founding this town, that's, where it all starts and like how things just never stop. And I do believe some of the actors kind of are in all three. Okay. Um, just used for like different characters I think, or. I believe so. I think maybe Jillian Jacobs plays the same character. Um, Cause she's going to be playing like a younger person in the seventies. And then she will be probably like a older adult in the nineties and talking about, Oh, it was awful at the camp, you know, whatever. I yeah, don't know. yeah. 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 Um, and then if they're in the 1600 story, I think they're definitely playing different characters. They're just kind of using the same people. So uh, I think, I think it's going to be great. I, I love the idea of, you know, like one, one after the other coming out. I don't know. It's, I I am a little sad that it's not, you know, getting the theatrical treatment, but eh, whatever. It's like after a whole year, of being in quarantine and kind of being spoiled with these options of watching right away on TV. I love it. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. Did I say I'm really looking forward to this? I am.
1: (laughs) But are you looking forward to it though? I really am. am.
0: (laughs) Well, and this is, you know, again, it's like old news by now, but it's kind of like apt to mention it. Uh, Castlevania, they, are you know coming out with their fourth season or it will be out right now um i love this show i am a big fan again you know i like animation and i like dark stories and it's based on a video game that i played a few times when i was a kid so i really like it and they're getting canceled i don't know if that means they knew they were getting canceled and they wrapped up the storyline I hate it when they can't. They're just like, oh, crap, we left this shit open-ended. I'm going to hate that. But Silver Lining, I guess, there's talk of a possible spin-off. Um But it's like very early stages. So maybe the story isn't completely over. I think they'll be following the vampire or half-vampire Alucard, who is the son of Dracula. But, you know... I think they got a good amount of time. Four seasons is nothing to like sneeze at. So, if as long as they can close out the story, I won't even be so worried about a spinoff. I I just would hate for them to not conclude things the way they wanted to do it.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you if four seasons was a good run for you. Like, did you expect them to go even further? Aside from this cancellation, like were you enjoying yourself watching it or do you think this is a good time to like shut it down?
0: I think four seasons is good for me. I think five is sort of like a sweet spot where it's like, yeah, five, we're good. I think you've done so many things. Let's wrap this up before we just get out of hand and we start just like, well, what's under the sink? What, What else have we not done? It's like, come on, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't do this to me. And season one, I was not like I was not on board really because it was a little, it was a shorter season. Maybe they were testing it out. I didn't think it was too too exciting. But after that, two and three, I loved it. Now, also between each season, it's it's like a whole year will go by before we get the next or two years. Excuse me. Like every other year, we'll get the new season. So I'm always sort of in limbo with Did they get canceled? (laughs) Are they coming back? I have no idea. So even right before they announced, oh, season four is coming. I was trying to look it up. I was like, is season four coming? Nobody knows. There's no information for me at all. And then like a week later, Netflix was like, oh, come back soon. I was like, <laughs> ah, can't wait. But then right after that, they're like, oh, also, we just got canceled. What?
1: So, you know. Weird. Well, look at that. I'm putting another quarter in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, fun fact, uh, I told Nate, I thought about doing this it. for the rest of the series, is that any time that any of us randomly bring up a TV show, movie, whatever, and the other person has not seen it, then they have to put money in the jar. <laughs> I think by now you are at 125 and I'm at, I think I'm at a quarter or 50 cents. I think, with me. Fuck you. <laughs> but you can get your money back when you start watching the stuff you haven't seen yet. And trust me, everything that you have not seen that was mentioned are so good. So you're going to have a blast. You just got to watch them. <laughs> but all right. I've never seen the Castlevania series. I was going to watch it when we talked about it in the old series, but I just never latched on. But it, you're saying it's worth it, do you think?
0: I think it's worth it yeah uh the like i said first season is not heavy on dracula (laughs) who's it's like he's the main villain of the show hardly in it there's hardly any monsters so the first four episodes are kind of like meh they're all right uh but season two and season three i think are definitely worth it and this is a very adult show it's it's graphic violence uh There's some sexy time. (laughs) My goodness. Yeah. It's it's always kind of weird watching like a anime (laughs) where people are having sex and I'm like somebody had to animate this. Somebody like hand drew these characters fucking and I guess here we are.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I will definitely have to check that out. But you know, yes, this this jar is holding us accountable, so I know that I will have that on my list. But uh Oh
0: look at you 50 cents.
1: <laughs> I'm at 75 cents. I'm I'm almost close okay. to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: All right. Let me see what else can I name that you have I know, seen. right? <laughs> well kids, this week it's my turn to do a trivia question for Rob.
1: Oh and right. I hope it's hard. <laughs>
0: I hope you don't get it. But you probably will So I'm trying to do a little bit of like behind the scenes, you know, do some trickery, some fuckery. Are you ready, Rob?
1: Yes. And remember, folks, that uh, as mentioned in the last episode, that this question is being posted on Instagram stories on our Instagram page, fear.bias. And so if you happen to know the answer, when you are seeing it on Instagram stories, reply to it. Let me know that you know the answer. And if you got it right, we'll give you a shout out on the show. So what do yes. you got for me?
0: Behind the scenes, picture it, 1996 for the film Scream. Who was Kevin Williamson's dream casting to play Sydney? Now, you think about it. We'll come back to this at the end, but that's my question I've posed to you. Okay. Who was Kevin Williamson's dream casting to play the role of Sydney Prescott?
1: All right. So, off the top of my head, I don't know the answer, but maybe by the end of the episode, I can figure it out. So, yes, we'll return to this at the end of the episode. <laughs> You remember that video that we recorded, sort of as an homage to Scream. We did the scene, I do. yeah, where we talked about the rules. So, Nate and I got a bunch of his friends together, and we we sort of did this recording of this of the scene where Randy is telling everybody at the party about the rules to survive a horror movie. So we decided to do the same thing, but give it a gay and person of color spin on it and the rules that do apply to them. So and it was really fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, it's still on YouTube. I'll post the link in the uh, production notes on this episode so you guys can see the video. But I thought we could return to the video and discuss the rules that we came up with to see if they actually hold up. In today's horror movies, or if they've changed. Now, when we did this video, it was for fun. You know, we had a little bit of not backstory, but just like influence from the movies that we have seen so far. But it was just all in good fun. But some of it does hold true. I wanted to kind of go over some of the rules. So, when we did the video, I played Randy. I played the the horror geek, and I was the one sort of talking about all the rules. And I gave the list to Nate and he helped me co-write it and sort of change it up and add stuff to it. And we got really involved for the gays because we were like, okay, most of these rules are basically more towards the heteronormative sort of way of things. But like, what about the gays? How do they survive? Is there a rule to them? So one thing that I came up with is I believe that if you are gay in a horror film that being besties with the final girl, the lead actress in the movie character in the movie is your best bet. But there is a caveat to that. She will save her boyfriend first. Then she will save her siblings. Then the GBF will be saved. So as long as the boyfriend and siblings either die or evil, then you're safe. But those two will come before the gay best friend. Do you agree with this, <laughs> Nate?
0: <laughs> uh, kind of. Uh-huh. I think that they'll usually always save their boyfriend. No matter who the best friend is, they're always going to save their boyfriend, girlfriend. So it, it really doesn't pay to be the best friend. It's the most thankless role across the board.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. There has there isn't that many examples as far as gay characters surviving. The only one that I can think of right now is the invitation. Did you ever see the invitation? Yes,
0: but also uh his partner doesn't live. No, he right? doesn't.
1: No, he doesn't. But yeah, one so does. It's like- yeah, the percentage of the gays yeah that plays into
0: another rule coming up exactly, sort of. yeah, like safety and numbers,
1: <laughs> but yeah that's that's one that I think of right on the top of my head, so it's possible there's no general rule as to why he survived, but at the same time, you know we're dealing with characters that don't necessarily have too much of not a spotlight, but just you know, being the token or whatever. So you just kind of have to wonder, like, is it down to their sexual orientation or is it down to their character, who they are? You know, like, I I wonder if there's, like, a general rule on gays surviving in horror. <laughs> is there any other new one that you can think of? Uh, The freaky that just came out. <laughs> now, she... Now, he ended up living... And I wonder if that's yes. different because it was a horror comedy and not a horror scary movie, you know. But that's the only
0: other one I can think of. Yeah,
1: modern. There's not a lot of examples of a a gay
0: best friend at all. And if they are in a, a horror movie, they're basically treated like any minority character. Basically, you know, it's like, oh well, they're they are simply there, in my opinion. A lot of filmmakers put them in a storyline just to be like, look at us. We have a gay character. Yeah. I mean, they're absolutely going to die before the credits roll. But yeah, we have a gay character.
1: <laughs> so we also had rules for black characters because in the video, we had another uh, black person in the video saying, hey, well, what about us? Does this apply to black folks, too? And I was like, OK, OK. So the rules that I came up with that was... And this is so random. Again, this is all theoretical. I am not saying these are the be-all rules or whatever, because I'm sure somebody will have movies to debunk anything that I've said. But in just for the fun of it, I was like, the black guy cannot hook up with a white character. Unless he or she is in the lead. Remind me in Bird Box, did Sandra Bullock and Home Dude sleep together? I think they did, right? Yes. Yes, they did. So that kind of debunks it a little bit because he ended up being a sacrificial lamb in that one, and they ended up sleeping together. But, you know, bird box ain't shit anyway. So I... (laughs) What? (laughs) I didn't really dig it. Oh, I am such a hater for that one. Um, But, okay, but that was one rule. I also said this. Black people cannot be too masculine in these films they can't be the hero or too aggressive like if they end up being the savior it has to fall in their lap they can't just go in their guns blazing they will die Dwayne Martin from Scream 2 he (laughs) was not trying to be the hero the minute some shit went down he was like I'm out what happened he ended up living right (laughs) yep even um homegirl from Cloverfield she got in that helicopter and was like, peace, I'm out. I'm True. not trying to save anybody. So I feel that if you aren't too aggressive and, you know, too much of a, you know, like, oh, I'm going to take care of this, blah, blah, blah. Most of the time, if if they try and be the hero and, and savior, it doesn't work. It's got to fall in their lap. Uh, another yeah. thing that I came up with is that. The odds of black people surviving is in numbers. As Nate mentioned earlier, if there is at least three, most likely one of them will live. It doesn't happen all the time, but for the most part, if they get one in the middle of the movie, they may let the other one live. There's um, Tales from the Crypt Demon Night*. There's I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. There's Deep Blue Sea. All of those people had a black person die, where another one got to live. What do you think about these specific rules? Like some Hunger Games shit. (laughs) May the
0: odds be ever in your favor, just one of you. Listen, everybody, this is from some in-depth research of the genre. We've watched a lot of movies, Um, we all have, and we've seen these things happen again and again doesn't even have to be multiple characters. It's like if you have two black characters or two minority characters or two gay characters, one of them's probably not going to make it. Just like earlier, you mentioned the invitation. His boyfriend didn't live. And I'm pretty sure his boyfriend was not white. I feel like he was uh,
1: Latin. I feel like he was a Latino. Oh, he could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I remember that too. Mm-hmm. So...
0: So let's see there. They let the white gay live, <laughs> but not the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, they do this shit. They really do. And uh, I, I think it's still pretty accurate. Obviously, things are changing where the lead characters are now played by people of color. And I haven't seen a lot of examples of a lead character being LGBT. I can't think of any... Right now at all. It's changing, but it still still stands that yeah, this is what's happening on screen. Can't can't make this shit up.
1: I, I, I am seeing a, a bit of a change too, and you know, I'm I'm not saying they all have to live for it to be a, a good horror movie or anything like that, but there is a trend that continues, and these are just some of the common denominators that I notice. In in the in some of these films, and especially from from back in the day. And, you know, hopefully we'll see a little bit of change to where these rules don't necessarily stick. Uh, But I don't know. Have you noticed any other sort of like trends within that that you see happening that they could change or 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 maybe there's not really a formula to it? Maybe it just happens to be coincidental. You know, again, I mentioned Bird Box because. Literally, well, I believe almost every single person of color character on there died saving some white character. Down to B.D. Wong being the sacrificial lamb, you know, with all the ideas, his house, he dies first. Um, Little Rowley, he just jumps right through the freezer to make sure the big monster guy didn't come through.
0: the freezer
1: and i was just like why or like why did he feel that his life was not important to save you know but everybody else got to be saved and you know the whole time sandra's being a bitch and you know she's not helping she's not contributing she's just complaining the whole time and you know he's you know but they got this dorky little character coming in being like okay i'm gonna be a hero and i'm just gonna sacrifice myself and i'm just like no 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 and then her love interest, like, nope, we got to get these kids. They can't die. I'm going to just you know, it just, it just irks me. It irks me. And it's always, you know, a person of color being the one to be like, okay, I'll play the martyr. At least they got to be in the movie. And yeah, I'm I'm just not happy with that. But again, it was just a fun way to just kind of bring it up because yeah, I think our our body count is very high. And the probability of us living is, is a bit low, but when it happens, it stands out and it's awesome. You know, there are some great lead characters that have been saved that we don't necessarily talk about too much. Uh, Alien versus Predator, Sonia Lathan got to live through hers, and she was the lead. That was great. Um, even uh Holly Berry, you know, she survived her horrific tale in got Well, if
0: Holly Berry. If she hadn't survived, I mean, that would have been some bullshit. Cause it was like It's Halle Berry. She just <laughs> won an Oscar. She's obviously the lead character in this movie. Well, that's what um, I was gonna
1: ask you. Do you think the star qual like the star power of the actual actor or actress plays a part in that, regardless of their color?
0: I think so, yes, definitely. I think, you know, with Gothica at least, that could have been a lot of different actresses, but it just would not have made sense. We all were watching that trailer, and it's like, it's Allie Berry. She's in this movie. This is her movie. So if they would have killed her, damn, I don't know. Uh, it just wouldn't have made sense. Sanaa Lathan being the main character in Alien vs. Predator, that was a big surprise. It's like you could you could kind of tell that she was the lead, but also they started off with a lot of characters and you didn't really know it was going to happen but it was it was a nice surprise she was one of the first black final girls that we'd had in a very very long time um and then even after that it's like we haven't had that many
1: um even in the thing you know Keith David Childs like he ended up living with Kurt Russell but then you know TK Carter was in that and he you know so i mean again it, it still kind of falls under some of those like rules we had just talked about
0: yeah but even with the child, it's like did he live?
1: oh yeah, that's right
0: right was was well absol- actually it's like, yeah was that him at the end mm-hmm. or and plus they're both gonna freeze to death anyway, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know. well, I also wanted to kind of talk about the rules with our final girls that we sort of are used to as far as the trope and horror movies from like the 70s and 80s is that the final girl in horror films and particularly slashers they are referred to as the last girl or woman alive to confront the killer and um, be the only one left to tell the story but she's also the innocent one the one who sort of has to kind of Fight for that survival mode, even though it's unexpected. And so it comes from someone who's like pure, maybe a virgin or just someone who's never had like a killer instinct, probably the sweet one, things like that. But we're seeing a little bit of a change and a shift in who a final girl is. And do you kind of like where it's going? You know, like, can they have sex? Can they have, you know, a sinful background? Can they do they have to be as pure as we're used to? Things like that.
0: I think the shift happened a long time ago with Scream. Sydney had sex. She didn't die. Sydney's been in four movies and she hasn't died yet. She's about to be in another one. To what capacity? I don't know. But yes. I think it is a very modern thing for girls to have sex and not be so distracted by getting dick down that they can't survive a knife fight. Okay? Yeah. That's my thoughts anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um and and what do you think about that? Like do you prefer them to have more of a like a a natural background of just being someone who's had sex at their age or do we have to give this false pretense that You know, most girls won't be you know doing A, B, and C in order to you know be the one that deserves to live.
0: Yeah, I think it's really disheartening, especially at this point, to feel like someone is less than you know they're not good enough uh, because they do something that a lot of people are doing. Like it's sex happens. Lots of people have sex. Most people have sex. Um, Most women have sex. Your mom had sex why you're here. <laughs> Even before like talking about how like we see certain characters killed off all the time. If you're black, you're not going to live through a movie. I think a lot of filmmakers started to just it's like, you know, like, oh, I I see someone doing it, so I'm going to do it too. I saw how that film went. Yes, I'm going to cast um people of color in my movie because look at me, I am so great that I have a diverse cast. They all die. But And I don't give them any character development. I I, I don't know. I feel like people aren't conscious of it. I think they just keep perpetuating these things and they never stop to ask themselves, why am I writing this story like this? Why am I writing this character like this? Or lack thereof, why am I not writing this character to be an interesting three-dimensional person?
1: Well, there's also the idea for, I guess, uh, uh, a... A tenseful and suspenseful like scare tactic. So if we see a final girl who's not used to fighting or we don't know that she can take care of herself, that will give the audience more, you know, more fear for for them you know like they're they're gonna be worried that she's not gonna make it because she doesn't have the instincts to take care of herself in that way and then maybe you'll get more of a triumphant feeling when you're watching her overcome that so I mean maybe for entertainment purposes that's why they do it but do we want to see that or is it actually better if we already know that they know how to fight or take care of themselves you know
0: yeah but even and why do we think that a girl or, or boy who has had sex does not have the capability of taking care of themselves? Oh well, not necessarily they suddenly just, like
1: not necessarily just tied to just them having sex, but just in general because there's more to it than just the sex well, part, but just you know.
0: But- That's what like most stories have told us. It's like, oh, once they have sex, they're all kind of useless and they don't know how to make decisions. Oh, gotcha. Or they don't know how to make good decisions. And like, you're you're right. The, The last girl standing is usually not like, she's not some sort of Kung Fu master where she can just kick everyone's ass. She can barely lift up a baseball bat typically. Um, so yes I guess that adds to the suspense of it's like well obviously she's timid and shy and we don't know if she's going to make it and it's like well all these other characters who were like I want to have sex tonight I'm definitely going to get mine it's like well they seem pretty like confident in themselves so why all of a sudden did they like not have the confidence to take care of themselves but this girl over here who was like ah I don't know I'm going to hit you with a frying pan maybe
1: <laughs> Why? <laughs> well I want to sort of talk about a couple of Final Girls that did make it, didn't make it, see if there is any kind of like common denominator to that rule. And, you know, did they work out in favor of their character? So, like, we've got Sarah Carter, who was in The Descent. Uh, what did you think about her? Oh,
0: so I didn't see the sequel. I thought she did make it.
1: But like she was in. So there are two different endings In the first ending, she ended up living. She just went crazy. And that was the original. And then in the second one, yeah, it shows her actually escaping. And then she comes back. And then I think she doesn't make it in the end. And so with her, you know, she's a mother. You know, she doesn't necessarily have any fighting skills. But at the same time, the woman, steps, you know, like stepped up. When she needed to, she wasn't defensive, she wasn't a damsel, you know, I I still feared for her, even though I think she could definitely take care of herself. It didn't take any of the suspense out of it, so it didn't hurt that she had some experience in her belt, especially like a rage in her too, you know, because some people could even look at women or, 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 you know, beings who shouldn't be, you know, messing with weapons and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're meant to be saved and no, in this particular case, especially with the cast full of woman, I still felt the fear watching them, you know, fight for their lives, even though some of them could fight for themselves. Uh, So another person, uh, so drag me to hell, Kristen, Christine Brown. So, you know, she was a nice girl, right? I mean, she kind of, fell into this peer pressure of doing what, you know, her male boss told her to do and trying to make it in a male's world or whatever. But then her character sort of turned a corner where we were kind of given a little hint, like maybe she's not such a good person and does she deserve to live? You know, I mean, there's the whole scene about her sacrificing a cat, a kitten actually. And we're like, well, you know, is she thinking about, I don't know, but She wasn't the nicest girl either. And, you know, she didn't make it. Now, is that because she didn't fit the trope? Therefore, bam, let's take her out. Or it just, you know, fit the story?
0: I think that was more about the story of just like trying to surprise the audience. You know, she wasn't that terrible of a person. I think she got real desperate at the end. Yes, killing the cat and stuff like that. She did things that were sort of out of her character. But. It was just desperation at the end, and she was trying to survive. Um, and it actually didn't end how I thought it was going to end. I thought the movie was going to have a slightly different ending. Yeah. Or somebody else got dragged to hell <laughs> on accident. Yeah. Or on purpose. You know, maybe she was like, I'm, I already sacrificed this cat. Let me sacrifice my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> then she really would have been a
1: jerk. Right. Well, one or two that did make it that don't necessarily fit the old school trope of a final girl um there is uh Jen from the movie Revenge, so this is from two thousand seventeen that movie right. man broke all the rules of what a final girl should be. i mean she obviously is someone who had to you know fight to you know tell the story or whatnot and But, you know, she definitely was not, you know, the innocent girl. You know, she slept with a married man and, you know, she was definitely proud of her sexuality and all of that jazz. And it was a revenge story for sure. So clearly the story was meant for her to live, but she wasn't that typical, I guess, final girl that you would think, you know, she had to definitely learn how to defend herself the whole time. I gotta ask, Nate, have you seen this movie?
0: No. And I don't <laughs> think it should count towards my jar, because um I know I know what the movie is about. Yep. And I I don't think I can um I don't know if I can do it.
1: Yeah, um, I no, I totally get it. I totally get it. It was pretty brutal though, like very gory. It was it was it was very heavy, so I get it. If it's not sort of your interest, definitely I wouldn't say this is a must see. Violence
0: happens in movies and I can I can handle it in most capacities but I don't know uh sexual violence I don't uh, if I know it's going to happen if I know it's in a movie then I probably will not watch it
1: okay no that's fair that's fair um one other person So I'm
0: still at 175
1: <laughs> one other person I wanted to talk about was Aaron Harson so you had just recently watched this and it's your next From 2011. Now, that woman came with a heavy background of knowing what to do in a very stressful and messed up situation. And, you know, in theory, you know, this movie was a horror comedy-esque. I mean, I laughed at a bunch of stuff. And that's only because they were, like, twisting a lot of the typical stuff you see in a slasher. But it didn't take any of the suspense out of it. It it did make the movie m- more fun than scary because she knew what she was doing. Did we prefer her to learn as she goes, get lucky, you know, or did we didn't we mind that she knew what she was doing and she could take them out if she needed to, you know?
0: I think that again, it's just telling a different story. You know, it's like drag drag me to hell. Um, they was they were trying to surprise us with the ending, and then her character like thinking oh she's you know she's the girlfriend of this brother and yeah she'll most likely be the character that we're rooting for but i i definitely preferred i definitely preferred her to know what she was doing because just watching her make these quick decisions um and like planning ahead i was like this is really this is some good stuff. This is something that we don't normally get.
1: Exactly. You know, and how many times are we yelling at the screen of like, why don't you do this and do this and don't go in there and all of this. And, you know, like some of these characters can be smart and then if ridden well, they can perform these smart moves, but still get caught or still be in trouble or something, you know, think outside of the box. But my point with bringing this up was to just sort of highlight is that the formula for these final girls has completely flipped. And I think the term final girl can still be used and, and still fit within the horror genre and, and still work today and not have such the standard formula final girl that we're always used to. I think, you know, having a strong woman, especially knowing how to fight or defend themselves is still good for entertainment, you know?
0: Hopefully more creators are giving audience members the opportunity to see themselves so that it's like, we can all be final girls. Hey, you know, it's been so limited in the past. And I think especially in the 80s that one idea of a character just stuck into the 90s. And I mean, it already kind of started in the 70s, but the 80s, like it was just everywhere. You can't be a final girl unless you're this Nice, sweet, um, you know, blonde or brunette girl. And it's like, you have to be that or you're fucked. So now I think they are trying to be like, look, humans are multifaceted and they can absolutely be in this story where terrible things happen. And you never know who's going to live. I feel like there's even been stories recently where we see this really nice, sweet character and they're like the first one to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like we they need to like surprise us somehow, like
1: yeah, no, I totally agree, so real quickly, I just wanna get your opinion on final boys. Do we want more final boys in the in horror films? Do we find it believable for them to triumphant over? You know, women, because usually we like to see this story played out through a woman's point of view, again, because of the delicateness of a female going through these horrific things where a masculine macho or even a secure male, you know, screaming off the top of their lungs of being scared, you know, is that allowed and yada yada. So, like, do final boys work and do we want to see more of them?
0: Yes, I think we we usually do prefer the women taking down the big bad monster, you know, fighting the patriarchy. It's awesome. When men do it, I think a lot of times it turns into more of like an action film.
1: Now, is that good or bad? I mean, should we be thinking about it that way? Cuz that's very interesting that you mm-hmm. say that.
0: And it's not that I think about it that way. I just I feel like that's what it happens. I feel like I mean, even like the the example of Jaws you know, and that's like old school, but yes, it's it's horror and it's suspense. It's a thriller. It's it's scary when it's the men. It's different, and you're not going to catch the men usually running around screaming their head off trying to hide. it it's it's just a different feel. It might even be like a slow burn, but I just I feel like they they really try to push the action element where it's like oh they're men, so they they kind of cross the line of. It is a horror, but they don't want it to be super horrific anymore. They want it to be like, oh, these men are like either they're really funny or they're blowing shit up.
1: That's really interesting that you say that Um, I, I, you know, I have a list of of final boys that sort of, you know, pop in my head and and some of them do kind of fall under that sort of actiony type of horror film. Deep Blue Sea is a great example of that. We got two final guys at the end of that movie where I didn't expect that to happen because I didn't see them as yeah. leads. and But that sort of turned into an action film, you know, with the explosions and all of that stuff. So, I mean, I totally get it. Cillian Murphy, twenty eight Days Later, um, that sort of kept the horror element throughout the whole film, you think, right? Do you think it turns sort of action with the humans and, and the army? And no, I,
0: I think that one stays pretty much within the the horror element. I mean, it, it
1: still feels different. The remake to The Hills Have Eyes, and I'm sure the original did this too, but that was the most unexpected, one of the most unexpected final dudes, let alone final people to live. Because um, I think in the remake, there were three of them that ended up living, but he was one of them. And he just was not a character that I expected to stay alive. I just I don't because usually when they do, they learn some kind of lesson either about themselves in the process and now they can live to carry out the newfound person that they are. And this Doug character, I just was so surprised that he ended up living out of everyone in there because he didn't even really even have a backstory to flesh out as to why he lived and. Yes, he was sort of the I shouldn't say geeky one because just because he has glasses doesn't make him geeky. But he his persona and his look didn't make him look like he was like a strong person to take care of this family. You know, you got Ted Levine there, the matriarch, the father. He's the most strong member of this family and they took his ass out first. So it's just like. So unexpected that he was able to triumph over all of this and and be the last man standing. And I like that. I think that just gives, an, you know, a big surprise to the audience. And I found the remake to be really good, too. But yeah, seeing final guys like him, I think is great because you're stepping out of the norm. He's not this strong character to take care of everyone to live, you know, And and I enjoyed that.
0: And probably, at least thinking about the Hill people, their motivation to take out the father first is that he was probably the hardest to deal
1: with. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very strategic to get him out first. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I personally would love to see more Final Boys. Anyone from Jesse screaming his lungs out to, you know, Chris from Get Out. I I love it. I think it's great to see them, you know, Santa for themselves, and I don't know, do you see it bad when they, like, kill women? Like, is that a bad thing? Because the other way around, it's not really looked down upon when a woman has to protect themselves from a man, but when you see a gentleman or a man kill a female to live, like, what does that say about that character, you know? Can, can Final Boys do that, or should they only be killing men and monsters?
0: You know, and a lot of people will say stuff like that not even in regards to horror movies but they were like well if a woman's attacking a man it's like when is the man allowed to defend himself Mm -hmm. um and i don't know i think even like on the view somebody was talking about it where she was like i mean if she has a gun and it's like if she has a gun that's when he's allowed to defend himself are you fucking kidding me (laughs) like well yeah she's across the room she can get him um but it's like you know If someone is like trying to claw my eyes out, I'm definitely gonna like kick them out the window.
1: (laughs) Out a window. He's very specific with the window.
0: (laughs) I mean, you gotta do it. Otherwise, yeah. I don't wanna go blind. I mean, you know, it's like, no. And it's like, no, this is a very like complex situation. And horror films, I think a lot of people feel that they are known for promoting violence against women and. That's why there there are so many like lead characters who are women and they're the ones fighting the monsters, and they're being traumatized so there's it's a lot of like it's like ups and downs, I don't feel like it's so black and white where it's like, oh, this is good and this is bad. You don't even have a lot of examples of like there being a lead male character, and then it's revealed oh, it was the woman all along i don't there's not a lot of those, but it's like well, if it was her killing everybody. Then, yeah, he's allowed to defend himself. <laughs> Moment of truth, Rob. Oh. The answer to the question, and I'll say it again. In 1996, who was Kevin Williamson's dream casting to play Sidney Prescott in Scream?
1: I should know this, and I'm going to say a name, and I'm probably wrong. But I'm going to guess Sarah Michelle Geller. You are incorrect. Yeah, I figured. So who is that? I'm very curious. So there
0: were a lot of actresses that I think were considered for the role and offered the part, and a lot of them turned it down for different reasons. Um, I think they did offer her the role, and she said, no, I don't want to play a teenager anymore. Was Kevin Williamson's favorite,
1: Molly Ringwald. <laughs> really? You know, yes, I may he, have read that somewhere, but completely forgot about that tidbit.
0: Yeah, he was, you know, he was a big fan of, you know, the breakfast. Wait,
1: yeah, breakfast. It was club. not the
0: breakfast. Oh, the Brat Pack. Yeah, I wasn't say like he was a big fan of the the Brat Pack movies that she was in, and he really thought it would be great if she would play Sydney. And she said, "No, I don't want to play a teenager." But you know what? Imagine if she had accepted that role, it probably would have like given her a little. Mm cuz I don't know she she was like trying to like break into other adult movies and um not like adult porn movies I don't want like put that <laughs> But out playing there. adult but roles yeah she was yeah. yeah, she was trying to play mature roles and she was like nope I don't want to play as a teenager but man I don't know
1: who knows what would have been I know that's an interesting you know uh actress to play I I would have never guessed that that's that's crazy well yeah. One day, let me. Well, no one online got this uh question right. But on our next episode, we'll have another opportunity and trivia question to post. And if you happen to be present online and see it and answer it correctly, we'll give you a shout out on the show uh, if we uh, see your answer. So I got that one wrong. That's a good question. I like that one. And yeah, we'll do another one in our next episode. <laughs> That is going to do it. We are going to close out this episode with another bitch, really. And I'm trying to remember if I've done this one before in the older series. But if nobody will know. Yeah. (laughs) So this is from uh, an anthology movie that I absolutely love. It's Creepshow number two. I am pulling this bitch really from the specific short story of The Raft. It involves the characters of Laverne and Randy. And they are two of four who go on a raft just on a nice summer day, hang out, smoke weed, kick it. But they find this blob oil slick looking monster who is moving On its own and eventually attacks the group of friends on this raft and it is sort of not impossible, but it is very difficult for them to just swim to shore and beat this blob before they get to land. And so two of them are gone at this point. Who's left? Laverne and Randy. Now they're not together. They're not boyfriend and girlfriend, but they know of each other and their friends they are taking turns uh, keeping watch to make sure this blob doesn't attack them so they can get some rest. Well, Laverne is asleep, but Randy sort of wakes up from this nightmare and he is holding Laverne very closely for body warmth. But also, you know, because, you know, they just wanted to be close to each other to feel safe while she's sleeping. He decides that this is the perfect time to cop a field and just touch her body while this monster is just trying to attack them at the same time. He lays her down on the raft, slowly is touching her body from her legs all the way up to her breasts and lifting the shirt. This isn't on top of the clothes stuff. Like he's really going in and he's not paying attention to the monster that they are supposed to be guarding. Now, the raft has these, you know, split ends between the boards. And so far, we've only seen this monster attack from the edge of the raft. But we didn't think about, can this monster reach you through the the slits of the raft? And so this girl is laying on the ground. Her cheek is like too, like face down on the raft. And while he's sitting there touching her, this woman gets attacked and killed. Bitch, really, I mean, our men are like, are we that desperate and horny and deprived of sexual like opportunities that even in the face of danger, we still have to take advantage of the opportunity to touch a girl. Now, in the in, in the story, it was hinted that he sort of was crushing on her, even though his friend was the one dating her. But like, was this really the best time to do it? And what if she had woken up? Like, what was she going to say? Like, was she going to enjoy it and sleep with you? Like, what the hell?
0: I have to say, I definitely know some gays who would just (laughs) embark on this kind of behavior. (laughs) You know, it's like FOMO. No time like the present. Uh, Yeah, you know, men, we're we're trash pretty much. Like, as a collective... Yeah, we're probably accurately represented in horror films. It's not like, <laughs> it's like, can you believe this guy's doing this? Yes. Yes. I, I know someone who does this shit.
1: I mean, the audacity, it just was like the literal wrong time. If anything, if you had saved her life, she maybe would have put out or maybe saw some different side of you like, ooh, you're cool. But you really couldn't help yourself. But he was just like, oh, that blob's not going to get us. I I have time. Let me just. Oh, it was so disgusting. So disgusting. Audacious. <laughs> all right. Well, that is going to do it for episode three. I hope you guys enjoyed all of our. Uh, topics and conversation we had on the subject of horror if there is anything you guys would like us to discuss on the show definitely let us know follow us on twitter at fear bias as well as on instagram fear.bias. bias and uh, yeah maybe your topic will make it on the show we want to thank you all for listening and come back in another two weeks on Tuesday where we'll have an all new episode
0: thanks guys All come right. back for more nonsense this is bitch I ain't scared Music